0: Here is another episode of the Real Estate Golf Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Darren and out of the San Francisco Bay, and always my co-host, Anthony Malafrante from Tampa Bay. Let's go. Hello, hello, golf fans, real estate fans. Episode number four of the Real Estate Golf Talk podcast. I'm your host, D. Franz, Darren and out here in the San Francisco Bay. My co-host is always Anthony Malafrante in Tampa Bay. We got the bays covered. Talking uh, NorCal, California, Florida in the house. How's it going, buddy?
1: It's going well, bud. It's going well. Florida is the uh, golf uh, mecca of the world for the professionals at the moment. With the exception of the senior tour, we had uh, the WGC right here in uh, Bradenton, Sarasota at concession this week. We had the women playing over in uh, Lake Nona in Orlando, and now we head to, uh, to Arnold's tournament out in Orlando. So it's going to be, a, uh, <laughs> and Darren, the weather here is spectacular. Got to play twice this weekend. Played on Saturday at Old Memorial, a treat. Our buddy Don Jowdy, who's a member out there, got uh, eight of us out to to play a, a, a nice morning round Saturday morning. Made an eagle, buddy, on a par five. That was like a pro. Mm. Took a few uh, shekels out of the uh, mm. pockets of uh, seven of my buddies with a
0: had to have with an eagle. You had to have. eagle. Uh, and
1: I played again Sunday morning. Uh, and interspersed Sunday, Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, showing people uh, some, some houses and getting a couple of things ready to get listed. So it was a, and I did it all in shorts, either green Crocs or golf shoes. It was pretty pretty good week for me. Pretty good weekend, I should say.
0: Well, I I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous, but it is it is seventy degrees, and uh, you know that's that's one thing. That you and I will always, well, not always, but but fairly frequently have in common is nice weather. Let's go back to um, let's go back to the eagle for a second. Uh, driver three wood on, on the green, or did you chip in, or uh, take me uh, through it?
1: It was a uh, it's a twelfth hole at Old Memorial, which is a beautiful private golf course here in Tampa. Uh, split fairway. Uh, we were playing from the forward tees. Which is all right. I'm at that age where the forward Ts no longer insult me, they make me excited. Uh and I never go down the left-hand fairway because you kind of have to fit it. As my old soccer coach used to say, you're trying to get it up the ass of an elephant, it's not as big as it looks. <laughs> so I had to hit it down a thin fairway, relatively thin fairway with bunkers on both sides, and the left-hand bunker if you get into it, it goes down a a pretty steep hill and you're just playing back out, hoping you don't get into another bunker and you'll make seven from down there.
0: Right. True penalty.
1: Right. So, and we played with caddies and my caddy, Evan said, he said, pards, the way you're hitting it, I'd give you, I hit your driver with that little cut and just try to get it into that left hand fairway. And I hit it. I hit it. Great. And I'm now a couple of my buddies are in the right hand fairway. But Bill, my partner for those six holes, and I are on the left-hand fairway, and uh, he shoots the number for me. It's 194 yards. I take out my little three hybrid, my three-iron hybrid, and I smoked it. Smoked it again. Ooh. Nice little right-to-left draw. Hit the t- and I know the green well enough to know that if I hit it too far, it's going to go off the back but I hit it just on the front of the green Mm -hmm. and it rolled up the hill and it came down and it was 20 feet from the hole. And so I walked up there nice and calmly and scoped it out. Now Evan (laughs) can read a green. That's all I'm going to say. Kid told me where to hit it and I hit it there and he had my pace figured out fairly quickly. And he said to me, it's back into the grain. It's a little bit downhill. Just hit it at about 85%. And then he pointed to a spot, and he said it hit it at that spot. And honest to God, Darren, it's one of those moments when I hit it, the only reason it wasn't going to go in, okay, is if it hit something and bounced off line. But these greens are pretty smooth. Almost from the moment I hit it, I knew I hit it the right speed. I knew I hit it. I hit his spot. His spot was about five feet in front of me, and I I rolled it dead over the spot. Dead over it. And the ball just rolled and rolled and rolled and it just trickled into the boom, right smack in the middle of the hole. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Actually. I I don't make many eagles anymore.
0: Oh, it sounds. No, 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 nor do I, nor do I, I mean, it sounds um, very pure, very, very pure, (laughs) you know, very, one of those where, you almost forget about the drive because the drive is really just the setup to the next opportunity on a par five. I mean, you know, for those that, that play golf, you know, a par five can really mess with you sometimes it messes with me sometimes because there is so much opportunity. And, you know, when you're sitting there with a 20 footer um, for Eagle you know, those that play golf. I mean, that's two birdies. That's, you know, that's back-to-back birdies on whatever, whatever hole. I mean, it's just, it's such a, it's such a nice uh, thing to your scorecard. I mean, it just does wonders for the scorecard on top of the shekels. I mean, that that's oh, gotta be, you know, if they add up or you clean up with that.
1: Everything just lined up perfectly. And you know, the other thing we talked about it afterwards, all eight of us, we don't get to play with caddies very often. And if you played old memoria. You're playing with caddies, and it, well, tell
0: me, it, me about that. Tell tell me to tell me about that. How you know? Because there's people that'll listen to this that have, that have never played with a caddy. I have a couple times been been blessed to do that. Not not early on in my golf career at all. I mean, it's not not like not 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 like that. I mean, when I played in junior college, you carry your own bag. I mean, right. um, every once in a while there'd be a kid out there and his dad would be carrying his bag, and we'd almost kind of make. Fun of them. We're 19 years old out there, you know, but then of course you get older, you get into the country club scene, you go to some nice resorts. Um, So, but, but I can probably count on one hand for me. I mean, you know, you you know, really, I mean, once in Hawaii, Pebble Beach, Cordova, which is a nice private club around here. But Four or five times in my life have I had a caddy um, and it's special. It is a special, special
1: thing. It's the, in my opinion, walking, taking your time in between shots, not speeding up and driving from one shot to the next and having somebody who is as invested in you playing well as you are, is the way the game should be played. It's Mm. that much fun. It makes it that much Mm. more fun, right? Not to mention, I didn't have to carry my bag. He was carrying my bag, right? I gave him a little bit bigger tip because I said, listen, by the time... By the time we got done here, you had your agricultural degree because I had you rake out. There's a lot of traps and I was in every friggin' trap there was except for <laughs> on number 12. And thank God I'm a good bunker player and I would have had blisters on my hands if I had raked that many holes. So I, gave him an, I gave him a larger tip. I said, dude, you could have had your agricultural degree today with all the raking that you did. And, um, but it's just, yep. it's a, it's a purer, simpler way to play a great game. Right. They are, and I don't know yeah. about all caddy yards, but these guys, there were four of them in our group. There were four of them in the other group. And they have a little game going against each other. My guy versus your guy. Ooh, and so on. And so all free day. Free, right. So they, they incentivize themselves a little bit to get to get playing. Right. And you know, I had my I had my yeah. lightning, my Grateful Dead lightning bolt belt on and my head cover that Dylan, my son, got me. Is a blue dancing bear on my putter cover. One mm-hmm. of the other caddies, Sean, says you're a deadhead. I said I've been to a few concerts. He shows me that he's got the the <laughs> the, uh, the Grateful Dead tattoo on one leg. He's got the um, uh, the big lips from the uh, from the Rolling Stones on the other. And then he pulls out his yardage book, and he's got all this Grateful Dead stuff like stuck on it. So we were having a holy nice conversation. crap. Oh, walking down yeah. the fairways, talking about music. And he's a young kid, right? He knew of a couple of places in St. Yeah. Petersburg that have uh, dedication bands, right? That bands that are playing dead stuff that yes. are open right now, right? So we have a kind con- of, that was all new to me. I, I don't go out to those kinds of places very much anymore. So we had those kinds of conversations. It was Same. just so, as you said, it's, it was so civilized. It was so simple, but it made the whole round so much more fun the whole thing. So caddies, I, I could probably, you know, probably maybe 10 times in my life i played with a caddy, right? I've caddied for people. I used to caddy as a kid all the time, which is a whole nother show. We actually, we should write that down. We should do a show about why in Darren and Anthony's opinion, there should be more caddy programs. Because when I was growing up, being part of that caddy program was a life-changing experience for me, but too much to get into now. But as a kid, but these are full-fledged men who do it professionally. They do it for a living, right? And and it just made the round so much more pleasurable, right? I, and I, I just, and I got a good walk-in two days in a row. So it was awesome, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot to uh, this buzz term lately, unpack. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a lot going on with caddies and and i think that uh the the purest of the game um they start to they start to realize that the the walk between shots is so important that cerebral uh walk you know what what you do the state of mind that you stay in your preparation your mental state and and having that team it's incredible because you know, my dad raised me as a competitive water skier and it always felt like he was with me, even though he was on the shore. Like it, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of people rooting for me, but I knew my dad was. And, and, and I knew that it was kind of like when I did well, we were going to celebrate together. So I even had that much more focus, that much more energy. And the caddy, the caddy relationship, I mean, this is its own show, isn't it? It's like, I, because I see really good players give their caddy the credit that credit is due and and some some pros call their caddy by name and some don't it just goes deeper doesn't it <laughs> you know because i i really do feel like it, it really does and and i'm curious to hear what you're referring to when you were a kid because because i i feel like it's its own um what do they call it? It's like, there's a book called loopers. I, I think where it's its own culture, you know, it's, it's, it's its yeah. own world out there. And some of these caddies are so good. They're, they're, they're some of the best players you'll ever come across. I mean, that, that's, that's a fact that I know for sure in the caddy hey, world. The, um, the
1: two of we had four caddies in our group. I got to know two of them pretty well. Okay. Evan and Sean, I did. One of them was carrying my bag for 18 holes. The other one was into the Grateful Dead. And every moment he had, he wanted to know about this show, that show, you ever hear them play this or that, and so on and so forth. And I shared with, I've been to more than a few Grateful Dead shows. So I shared with him some stuff. And so I got to know the two of them pretty well, but they both are good players. You could, you could hear them talk, you know. He said, I mean, the kid said to me things that I know I need to do, right? I left about an eight-foot putt short, right? He read it dead on. I'm talking every putt he read was dead on, right? What was wrong with the putts I didn't make were pace. Either I hit it too hard, but more times for me, I don't hit them hard enough, right? So they'll die just Mm -hmm. before the hole, or they'll be right on line, and if it just swam another couple of feet, right? Keep swimming, His kid was yelling. (laughs) He's rooting for me like nobody's business, right? Legs. Legs keep swimming, keep swimming, right? And and then he said to me like after about one. seven or eight holes, right? He said, he said, you do the same thing when you putt, when you hit your ball, right? You got to finish low, you got to get that club going down the line. You have a tendency to after you hit the ball to pick up. And when I pick up, I decelerate on my real shots and on my half shots and on my putts. Right. So he got he watched my game for five or six holes. And he got to telling me things that I know I need to do. I played a great round of golf on a difficult golf course. And then on Sunday, I go play the normal course that I normally play with my little push cart. I play like a dope. He was in my head. The kid was in my head, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And here's another thing Mm -hmm. about, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: when when you hit a good golf shot, right? And you have a caddy. He comes and he fixes your divot for you, right? He takes your club away and he cleans it. But then he hands, if I, the, 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 Eagle, I walked 194 yards with my putter in my hand. With right? your putter. Right. Yeah. So that, that yes. saying, right. A long walk with a putter. Right. That's exactly where it comes from. That was a great feeling. Right. He just handed me my putter. Right. And after probably eight holes, maybe even less, He had a feel for my game he knew he kind of he was paying attention he knew my distances right and that's happened pretty much with every caddy i've ever had when i've had the the pleasure and the good fortune of having one he had he'd hit he i really like this seven iron i'm just gonna hit that seven iron right i really like this nine iron just choke up on it an inch and just give it your full swing that little extra bit of comment, he was right, too, from the distance. Yeah, that's a nine iron for me all day long. Oh, yeah. Right? To have someone else validate it and know and be invested in me playing it that well, was great. It was great. The whole thing, the whole experience. Yeah,
0: he, there, there. So did you guys have, did you have an option to use a uh, caddy or not? Or was there no option?
1: At this club, there's no option. If you play, you take a caddy. Um, got it. That got it. There are, uh, if you're a guest, okay. And we were a guest and this place is, you know, you just can't walk up there and play. And our buddy Don Jowdy, who's been a member there for a long time uh, uh, has, you know, he's been gracious enough over the years to you know, take us out there for our birthdays. And he's just, Don is one of the all time great people. Right. And he yeah. hadn't seen us all in a while. So he got one guy rusty to get, Hey, get seven guys. You know who you need to get. And let's go out and play golf. So there were eight of us in Don. Don played with one foursome on the front nine. He played with the other foursome on the back nine. We had a bunch of different games going. and uh, But we had to take a caddy. There are members who are allowed not to take caddies. But most of them, I would say 90% of them do. Uh, it's yeah. part of the experience. Well,
0: what you're making me think of, you're making me think of um, how you know, when you take a caddy, you know, you're walking. And there's way too much writing going on with with golf. I have my push cart now that I love. I think it's Caddy Tech or whatever, a couple hundred bucks. I got it on Amazon. My buddy, Patrick, he just sent me the link and I ordered it and I I made a commitment to myself uh, during COVID cause what a blessing to be able to actually play golf. I mean, and, and, the, the, the rise of golf and everything outdoors really, but I made a commitment to myself, you know, you're, you're not just going to join this, this club. Cause I did a process of, or play golf in general, you, you know, cause I, you know, you go to nice courses and, and all oh, the, the, the walk between 13 and 14, and you try to justify taking a cart. And there's certain times, of course, with your with your buddies. I mean, there's certain times that you can justify taking a cart very easily. But I just feel like it's such uh, I mean, you don't see him on tour for a reason. We enjoy the caddy experience because that is golf at the most elite level when when you when you think of. Uh, I mean, it is, I mean, I, I I try to compare any sport, you know, it's like, it's always so much more fun. Playing basketball is always so much more fun when it's five on five and it's full court. It's like soccer is always so much better when it's like 11 on 11 and you're actually keeping score and you have referees and you have uniforms. It's just, it's just a better experience, you know? So, so caddies, it becomes this like if you've never experienced that, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Find a course that you have the option. You know, a few times in Hawaii, I had the option and I and I didn't, and I kind of, you know, I was like on the seventh or eighth hole, and these guys were double looping. Have you seen that? These caddies yeah, would actually sure. uh, carry yeah. two two bags. So, yeah, when
1: we so, were, when we, um, were in, uh, when we were in when we were in. What do you call that place uh Pinehurst back in October uh mm. my my guy Fred double looped he carried two bags he carried my bag and Bill Risser's bag uh and that was two days uh, on number four and number two where it was me and Fred yeah. and Bill and Fred and that kid's head that his his words still ring in my head today when I stand over a certain shot, I hear him talking to me to this day. The great kid. Uh, we had so much fun. Wow. We had so much fun the first day that Sean Carpenter went to the caddy master and said, Hey, are those guys working tomorrow? Cause we're going to play. We play number four on Friday. Wow. we play number two on Saturday. And they said, yeah. And he goes, well, we want them again. All right. So we, there were four of us. We had two caddies, Scott, uh, Euler and and carp shared one caddy and bill and i shared the other and they were double looped they both i got pictures of them walking down the fairway with the two bags and that was a whole nother experience because by that while we're walking up 18 on number two and we're all buddies you know and carpenter you know carpenter he right. makes friends with everybody and he never forgets a face he never forgets a name and he connects with everybody right he's got both their cell phone numbers and he's calling them all the time and texting them and so on and so forth Euler is standing over at the drink cart getting some beers and he goes, who wants a beer? And i I put up my hand, right. And Bill puts up his hand and then Euler yep. looks at, he goes, Fred. And I think the other kid's name was Adam, but I probably got that wrong. So I don't, I don't want to, I feel bad that I don't remember the kid's name uh, and Fred looked at me and I said, dude, you know, do you want one or not? He goes, yeah, I'll have one. So now there's six of us walking up the fairway, drinking a beer, Having a grand old time of it. He, they, they became friends of ours over two days, right? It was awesome. It was yes. awesome. Yes. Right. Yes. It's yes. Been, it's a great. Well, I, I'm,
0: I'm I'm having this I'm having this thought. <clears throat> yeah. The what well, people don't. Re- I mean, they they you of course they're they're great people, but they're good players and they know the course and, and it's like that that sort of knowledge, you know, knowledge is power. I mean, then, and then when you, when you add the fact that they get to know your game that quick, because that's what they do. They play with different swings and different capabilities and people with different tendencies and strengths. And all of a sudden within three or four holes, they got you pinned and they know your tendencies and they make a quick comment that maybe, helps you throughout the day or 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 like you're telling me right now stuff you remember that that far back it's singing it's ringing in your head because they're so they're so right you know they're 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 so knowledgeable and and they're and they're so right such a
1: there there was such an
0: interesting thing so i was
1: yeah go ahead i'm sorry
0: well, I'm just I'm just thinking of how of how caddies this is just a bigger uh, thought of of how, you know, you know, if, if a caddy program was developed, because not the, a lot of country clubs don't don't even have caddies the club I'm a member of Silver Creek, it, it does not have any caddies, you and know, but, are, but how could there revenue be a generator
1: in, in golf these days. To a lot of places, yeah. right? They generate some yeah, revenue. Yeah, it really is. There was a moment on on Saturday where I pushed, I kind of hit a little fade on a a dog leg left par four, right, and I hit it in the in the rough, if you will. Okay, there's like mm-hmm. little palm trees, and it was my ball was sitting up, right, but I had a a small stand of trees in front of me, right, and I walked up to my ball he already had out two clubs. He had a 5 iron out and he had my 50 degree wedge. And I said and I looked at him and I said is this a test? I said is this a test? Right? Is this a test? He goes it kind of is. And cuz he again he watched me, he got to know me, right? He said, "I bet you want to pick the 5 iron and you're trying to you want to try to hit a little cut down there." so that it cuts back into the fairway and you're down the, you're down the fairway further. I said, that's exactly right. I can pull that shot off. And he goes, all right, well, think about this. Take your 50 degree wedge and hit it as hard as you can straight over those trees, right? Just hit down yes. on it like you do. And yes. I'm a good wedge player. I'm a pretty good wedge player. I mean, when I got a wedge in my yep. hand, it's usually going to go straight, right? I don't, I don't do the S word. And I don't, I don't, I they normally my dispersion rate of my wedges is pretty good, right? I'm gonna be within a 20. Yeah, I'm aiming at your nose, I'm gonna be within 20 yards of your nose on either side of you, right? Which yep. is pretty good. My five iron, I could hit you smack in the nose, I could hit it over your head, or I could I could dribble it, <laughs> I could duck hook it, I could do anything with it, right? And so he said, Same. He, he said, think about this. And he said, just take that 50 degree of yours and hit it as hard as you can over those trees. You're going to try to hit a fade with the five iron, but if you don't fade it, it's going to roll into that pond because the fairway can't from right to left. Right. And even if you hit a fade, you're going against the grain. So you're not going to get it as far down the fairway as you think. But if you hit this wedge right down the right side of the fairway, right, you might get a little bit of roll. So I said, dude, I'm in. Yep. I flunked the test, but I'm going to hit the wedge. I hit the 50-degree wedge. I, I just hit down on it like I always do. The ball came flying out. And now I had to take my penalty anyway, right? I had to take the, the, the fact that I hit the ball in the rough anyway, right? Right. So now I have another wedge right. in my hand. Now the 5-iron could have worked out great, but I have another wedge in my hand. Now I got my 54 in my hand from like 65 yards or 75 yards, I think I was. I hit it within – 15 feet of the hole and I had a putt for par. Now I missed the putt and I made bogey, but I could have easily made double bogey if I had taken a five iron out. Right. That, easily. That part of the whole easily. caddy experience, right. Was another just gentle piece of it. Right. Cause he sees guys do this all the time. Right. All the time. Yes. Right. And, and, I said, and it was, it was we actually laughed afterwards. You he go, because hey, we're walking to the next tee, he handed me my driver and he said, you know, left center of the fairway. Uh, and I said, I said, well, good. I said, hey, and thank you for back there. He goes, ah, you passed the test, brother. I was like, so, so the banter amongst <laughs> us the whole time was just so cool, right? It was so cool. Very good. Stuff. Yeah, the
0: uh, the term, the, the term, let's get out of jail comes to mind you know yes. you know yeah. there, there's a there's I mean that that's golf and uh, you play i mean you know risk reward you know there every once in a while of course that if the reward is there i usually lean towards the risk but when you're playing with your buddies and there's a little there's a little bit of shekel on the line and score you know we're writing scores down and we're adding them all up at the end you know, it, it's, it, it, Tennessee is really, you know, typically let's get out of jail and let's get this thing back in play. And let's, uh, what's the other term? Take our medicine, you know. Let, Take your medicine, there's right? A,
1: <laughs> there's because, a,
0: there's a few more. I mean,
1: you said it, risk reward, right? The, there isn't yep. always, there doesn't always have to be a risk. The five, the five iron <laughs> had you. risk built into it, right? The pitching, the, the 50 degree wedge, had much less risk in it. I already hit the, Very the ball little. shot was the fade I hit off the tee, right? There was much less yep. risk involved in the, the 50 degree wedge than the five iron. Most of us are willing to take the extra risk to pull it off. But it's harder, right? Less risk is better, Yeah, right? On a golf course. I gave myself a chance to make par. Now, 100%. If I hit that 5 iron just perfectly and I hit it through the stand of trees the way I thought I could and it and it faded just right and it got past the little slope that was going to take it into the pond and it rolled down by the bunker, I still was going to have another wedge into the green. So I had the exact same thing anyway. Right? The risk was yep. wasn't worth taking, but if I wasn't if Evan wasn't standing there, my caddy from old Memorial, I would have absolutely taken the risk. Absolutely. Unquestionably actually. Oh, Unquestionably. there it is. There it is.
0: Okay. I would have done it.
1: Right. There's no doubt in my
0: Interesting.
1: mind. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that, that's really <laughs> cool.
0: That's funny. Yeah. You know, when I was when I would play for something, whether it's money, whether it's in a little amateur event, my go to in my own mind was always what's the safe play. And that was the tee shot. That was the approach shot. That was bunker play. That was throughout the whole day, even putting. You, you know, like, what is the safe play here? Because it because golf is so perpetual and, and your mistakes will stack up so quickly that you are better off having it in play 20 yards back, you know. I mean, it, it, it used to – I remember one time I, I heard an interview, uh, and it was actually Tiger's dad. And Tiger's dad was talking about how he taught Tiger how to play he was talking about a par four at the time, but basically because par three is a par three, you pick your club, you know, where's the hole. Okay. I want to be below the hole. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the part three. Don't, don't get me wrong, but the par four was, Reversing the hole basically, playing the hole backwards. So you say, okay, well, what what club do I want in the hole? Th- the hole's three hundred eighty yards. Because I mean, how it's a big difference between three hundred eighty five yards to four fifty. So he would, so he would tell Tiger, you know, well, what what club? What's your go to? You know, what what club do you want in? And I think Tiger would always pick like nine iron because it was so realistic. He could play to because you can't hit a wedge in on every hole or 56 degree, even though it seemed like he did at the 97 masters. I mean, it just seemed like he had 56 degree in on every freaking hole, but, 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 you know, that's what, that's what Tiger's dad did. He said, you know, play these holes backwards. Don't just get up there and hit a three wood somewhere and go find it, you know, get calculated, figure out exactly the, and that's why he hit so many irons off tees. People don't know what he's doing. He's playing to an exact yardage of what he wants to hit on his approach shot so it's that calculated it's that methodical and i'm sure he doesn't talk about that very much but i'm sure he does that still i mean you know let's let's hope he plays golf again someday um let's just well let's just hope he walks again someday sorry um but yeah crazy calculation and and that's just golf at another level you know
1: but that's, that's scoring, right? Playing golf is not hitting it far. Playing golf is no. getting the ball in the hole in the fewest number of shots, right? That's what it's about. Yep, um, yep. You know, and and we, we tend to make it more complicated than it has to be because, well, for me, I was a much better player 30 years ago than I am today in a lot of ways, I had more physical ability, I could turn on the ball differently, I could hit it further right, now I got to rely a little bit more on my smarts I got to rely a little bit more on finesse, I got to be a better if I don't putt well, I'm not going to score well today, right
0: in the old days, there were
1: days when I didn't have to putt well, I could still score pretty good because, not that I overpowered a golf course because I never was good enough to do that but I could hit it further so i had more short clubs in my hands right 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 and and that's when i would then if i had short clubs in my hands and i made a few putts those are the days i had good rounds well the same thing is true today i just can't hit it as far off the tee so i have to almost play the hole backwards sometimes right we have you'll play our course here in west J someday we have named the 10th 11th and 12th hole Y M a corner for your mother's ass corner. (laughs) And they are holes. It's a par five. It's a par three. And it's a par four and the par five, unless you can pound it. Right. it's a little bit of a dog leg right over a set of trees on the right. There's a pond all the way down the right side of the fairway and there's out of bounds on the left side of the fairway. So unless you can hit it up the ass of an elephant with your driver and really hit it far, there's zero reason to hit driver off this hole where we used to play that hole with a driver all the time. Now the good play is five iron. The T's are up. Five iron or with that nice 194 yard four hybrid that I have, right? Lay up because in front of the green there's a big waste area with friggin' swamps and snakes and whatever else you got in there. I mean, it's friggin' you know, it's about 60 yards of crap. Yeah. So if you, you don't call hit it far enough down the fairway, you're not going for the green and two anyway, right? Which is out of the right. picture for us, right? <laughs> so you got to hit a five iron. And then an eight iron to lay up to 85 yards and the green is big and receptive. So if I'm at 85 yards, I pull up my 54 degree wedge. I have a better chance of making a birdie playing it that way than trying to hit the driver, which one out of five is going to go in the pond and three out of five is going out of bounds left. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, I don't ever hit driver there anymore where I used to play it all the time. All the time, we play driver. The, the next hole, it has to feel it
0: has to feel good to do it.
1: Right, you have to have confidence in the shot to do it. And anytime you stand over a golf shot, like anything else, you make a sales call. Right, you're going through your database and you're making sales calls. If you don't have confidence in what it is that you're about to do, rethink it before you do it.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, slow it down, slow it rethink down, it rethink it. Before
1: it. You do it. Don't make don't make phone calls for the sake of making phone calls. If you're if that's your if you're a realtor and that's your day to cold call, if you don't feel good about it, stop. Because anyone you get on the other side of the phone yeah. is going to tell he doesn't sound into this, right? If I'm going to buy a house f- from somebody or sell a house from somebody, I want a little enthusiasm. I want a little smarts. I don't want another guy just making a phone yep. call. So stop. Well, if I stand over a tee ball with a driver and I know I should be hitting five iron, the smart golfer. Like Evan taught me, puts the driver back in the bag and pulls out a five wood, or a five iron, right? Or has a th- choice between a fifty degree wedge and a five iron. He puts the fifth the five iron away and hits the fifty degree wedge. You gotta, think, you gotta, play, it out, you gotta play it out in your head, well,
0: you, man. You, you know, you know what you're what you're saying is self awareness. You know, Amen, so when brother. we when we go there. We, If, you know, since, since, since we're going there, I mean, that is just such an amazing parallel to sales and golf because knowing yourself is really going to put yourself in the best position for the best results and trying to act like you don't know yourself. And like here, here, like, you know, I'm not in my thirties anymore. I'm about to be in my fifties. You're, you know, you've been around the block a couple of times. Like if we're not ready to be self-aware now, holy shit. You know, <laughs> so like it's time, you know, to, 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 you know, I mean, it, how fun is that, though, to be on a golf course and say, you know what? Oh, you guys are cutting the corner. That's fantastic. I'm going right down here, right in the middle. And I'm going to go around, like I'm going to play this hole like it's telling me to play it you know, and, and I've been there. I mean, I used to hit the ball longer too. So you could take more risks because you could actually pump it 20 more yards in the air. So you could take these different lines, but, but golf is rewarding. Golf is very rewarding. My dad was lethal with his short game because his distance dilapidated. He lost his distance and all of a sudden, yeah, like well what the hell is he doing he's out chipping and putting you know because he had to compensate for it and he did you know until until the day he died so i mean i i, I hope that that's you know something where like i i want to be talked about in the back channels oh that dude can putt. that old fucker over there he can putt. <laughs> you yeah. know he may yeah. not bang it out like he used to be able to
1: but he can putt. you know yeah and you know what most of the people that you're going to play with didn't play with you when you could bang it out there they don't know any better. That's true. right? They don't know any better. right? You know better. And that's where the whole game gets in your yep. head, right? Because I can think about what yep. I used to be able to do, but I have to come to terms, be self-aware, brilliant line by you, yep. to know what I can do, not what I wish I could do. Right? Yeah. And I can't compare myself yeah. to Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods or Colin Morikawa, who played a brilliant round of golf. He's a little dude and he won a golf, he won a tournament this week on a long hitter's golf course. They must have mentioned that yep. on the radio when I was listening to it on XM radio and on TV when I was watching it 50 times that he's playing his game. He's a good iron player. He was laying back, he was hitting, he was keeping the ball in play. I think he, I don't think he had a penalty. He may have had one or two, but I know he didn't have many, where there were guys trying to do things that they couldn't do and taking penalties all over the place. Right. And poor Patrick or yeah. not, uh, uh, Smith. What's his name? Uh, I really like the kid too, with the flat brimmed hat, Cameron, uh, Cameron Smith. That he was Saturday. He's in the lead through three holes. And then he goes on I a know. string of like five balls in the water in nine holes. Right. I know. Five, right. So you don't was, have to be. The was biggest, he playing strongest. with? Kepka? He was playing with Kept on Saturday. Yes, he was. Yes, he was.
0: Yeah, that was tough to watch him blow up like that.
1: But, hey, let's let's what talk a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about Tiger.
0: Yeah, it deserves some attention for sure, man. I, I you know, I'll just tell you, I, I had a moment for about wasn't even five minutes because, you know, when you see it in like nine different places, you know, it's real. But I had about a two minute. I, I, if there was ever a time that I hoped something was fake, kind of like when I got the news, I was downtown at a bakery when I heard about Kobe. Same feeling was like, <laughs> no, no. And like, come on, get, give me wake me up from the from the little dream, because I had the thoughts that maybe. He, it was fatal, you know? So I was really worried that, um, that we lost a, a, a needle mover, somebody that is so much more than golf. And we can go down the line and, and mention major championship winners. And, in and, and I know they do philanthropy and I know they're good people, but they, in my opinion, they're pretty much just like really good golfers. Um, no, no offense. I mean, I'm not putting like McElroy and guys like that into that category. I'm putting guys like, you know, that are like 100 on the money list. They just don't move the needle. They, they don't garner the attention and nor do they think that they should, or do they try to, because it's, because it's not their role, but, but it is tiger's role and his role is to bring awareness to this game and do things even beyond his playing career that, that I just like, my brain was just like, you kidding me? I'm not going to see the courses. I'm not going to see his kids grow up the way they would with a, with a dad, you know, cause that to me was just, you know, the, I mean, amazing that we're going to experience, you know, Charlie, you know, I mean, who knows what he's going to do, but, but if Sam and Charlie are in sports, you know, we're going to see tiger, you know, in the stands at college and stuff. And, and just a lot of stuff flashed through my head, man. So um, it was scary and his brain is intact. His ankle is jacked up, (laughs) you know, uh, but his brain is there and um, with some good rehab and PT and, you know, he's going to get the best care. He's hopefully going to be walking again. And then uh, and then I think we're going to see a man that knows he's lucky to be alive. He was already moving into kind of a space where he was opening himself up to the media and changing, you know, with his kids and, you know, playing at the PNC Championship, doing stuff that he would never Done before, but but uh, I think this is going to be even a bigger uh, awakening. And lucky to be alive. And and who the hell knows about the golfing side? But I think we're gonna just gonna see more of an amazing man. Uh, and so so yeah, just what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I, I it, very similar to yours. When I heard it at first, I uh, you, you hope everybody's okay. Right, you hope that what it went then, but then yes, yeah. I heard it in the car, and they were talking about it, and there wasn't a lot of information. And then when I got home, you turn on the TV, and it was on every news station. It was like early in the morning too, right here, and it was on every station. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what 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 came? It came full circle for me yesterday, when
0: mm-hmm. the people that he the competed
1: against. The compete the people that if he didn't get in an accident and didn't have some spinal surgery, he would have been playing against, and you know they were trying to beat him like he was trying to beat them. They all paid their own gentle uh, homage to Tiger by dressing like him. They didn't have to say much. They didn't have to do much. They just, and the number of people who did it right, who wore red and black. Tony Fina, who never wears a mock, you know, Nike shirt, wore a mock Nike shirt and showed up at the golf course with his hat on backwards, right? They all just did, because they have so much respect for the guy. I mean, you know, he's, you know, I heard one of the guys on the radio talking about it, that as good a life as people think he has, most people wouldn't trade places with him, because every day when he gets up, he can't just live a normal somebody wants something from him, right? He's that much oh, yeah. of an iconic yep. figure, right? That that he you know he yes. had to do things that 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 put him well, he didn't have to do anything, but he did things that gave him some privacy. He bought this monster yacht and called it privacy. I mean, think about it, right? Yep. If here's you know, so yesterday was for me kind of made me think about it. He's gonna be okay. He's going to be able to watch his daughter, you know, play soccer and, and walk her down the aisle. He's going to be able to, you know, be able to watch Charlie do what he has to do. His peers have enough respect for him to do what they do. And then Colin Morikawa, on his, when he won the tournament, you saw, did you see his interview? When he I did, I talked, did. He, he asked, they asked him, you know, so we, you know, we wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be doing uh, it before. We wouldn't be doing the, 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 the golf news a, a service without just getting your feelings on Tiger. And he brought up his grandfather. He brought up his team and he brought up Tiger. And then he said, we never say thank you enough. Thank you, Tiger. Right? All these right. guys are making right. a shit ton, excuse my language, more money because of what Tiger brought to the game. All of them. And most yep. of them are not even his contemporaries they're younger than him they are he is the guy that they all idolized right yeah right he is the guy tony finau said it too he said it perfectly you know the masters changed my life watch he was seven years old when tiger won the masters by 12 strokes seven and he said i remember it like it was yesterday it changed that one day, that one weekend changed his life. Yep. Now, uh, so, yep. I'm, you know, I'm glad he's going to be okay. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, you know, me, we don't wish bad things on anybody. Uh, and of course, and, you know, he's going to have some, some tough days and, you know, Godspeed to him, man. I hope he figures it out and uh, can, you know, can walk, as you said.
0: Yeah, I know the. um, I remember when when he was uh, getting, or when somebody was saying something about his yacht and and about it being called privacy, and uh, I I, and they they were kind of like not not confused, but not it's like oh what is that? And I said, as in give me some you know it's tiger talking in a way that you know just just give me a little you know but but he is um he is he has handled it in in such an incredible way i mean i i sort of think of it like can you imagine what it's like to be in his shoes and the answer is always no you can go you can go through the list of you know can i imagine what it's like to be i mean you know no offense to patrick reed or but i can imagine what it would be like to but to do that you know i mean you know even, even winning the masters you know but but tiger is just this stratosphere is so different so yeah it's it's a it's a conversation that you and i will continue to to catch up on because he is so instrumental um in the tour right now because of the guys that that I think when we look back on it, really the biggest impact that I could express is imagine a kid choosing golf at this critical time you know, they're like a freshman in high school and, and, you know, baseball scouts are already talking to them because they're just, they're this wicked, like freak athlete. And then all of a sudden sophomore year rolls around and the kid says, and of course I'm going back 20 years. But the kid says, nah, I'm playing golf. Do you, I don't, do you see what Tiger? And of course the 97. So, I mean, how many years are, remo- are we removed from the 97 Masters? Because that's really what it, what, what it is, you know? So we're 24 years removed from the 97 Masters. So imagine the kids that are, let's say, shoot, I mean, 30, 35 years old you know, where, where, well, no, even a little bit younger, right? Where, where, when they were deciding that sport to go all in on, I mean, you got professional soccer. I mean, these freak athletes, basketball, of course, football, I mean, you name it, but golf um, was one of these things that now we have those those athletes i mean it it is it is clear that that's what's happened like with joshambo and and kepka and and finau i mean those dustin johnson i mean you know you can just line these guys up and they're just in the and it just looks like they could play any sport. so it's fun to talk about so we are we're we're an hour in my friend we didn't talk too much about real estate i want to i want to let's finish with just a little bit of uh, real estate talk if we could. and what we're gonna talk about pretty simple. I know I didn't prep you on this, but it's it's about winning the listing and it's almost just kind of like a question. I just want you to basically riff with me a little bit on the fact that you know when sometimes you win a listing it happens over a drink on a golf course and it's almost like a handshake and it's just done and it's almost like, implied it's almost like an implied like like that's my that's my deal if, if those exist and then there's like these long drawn out you know nurturing and and i'm not saying that's bad i'm saying it, you know what can you can you just sort of riff with me on like you meet somebody and is it you that does the the, the and i know situations are all over the place so i mean there's just so many they're so situational but but you meet somebody, and their time frame is is you know I don't know you know their time frame is is like hey you know we'd like to get this listed in a month. Um, do those sometimes dr- drag out and 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 then it, do do they change sometimes? I guess is the question you know or are they like laxadaisical at first and then all of a sudden some situation changes and they got to get it on the market and sell the thing and. Um, So I just find it fascinating that that, you know, winning the listing sometimes can be really quick, sometimes can be this long nurturing process, sometimes their desire or need to list is sort of all over the place. Um, And I know you have a lot of experience in a lot of different scenarios, but, you know, is it is it kind of like your job to size that up in the in the beginning and really dig and figure out their needs and and what's going on with their situation, and then kind of everything sort of falls in place from
1: there. Well, like any sale, Darren, and you know this, right? It comes in different forms. Some, the way mm. the way I look at the listings that we get, our business model, we don't cold call or door knock. We just don't do it. I don't do right. it, as we talked about in a in a previous episode. If someone came to my door knocking on my door saying, hey, I just listed the house next door. Uh, uh, if you know anyone who's looking to buy a house, let me know. And, and I'm this go, you know, this go-getter realtor in the neighborhood. If I wasn't in real estate, I don't like that. Right. That's just me, right? I'll give the kid all the credit in the world. I'll give yep. the gal all the credit in the world for doing it. It's not something that I like. It doesn't make me comfortable going into someone's space and knocking on the door. So we don't do that, right? We but we do. Yeah. We used to farm a lot where it's you know, establishing a value proposition to people who we don't know, right? We establish a value mm-hmm. proposition to mm-hmm. the people we do know, our small viable audience, right? And then there's that occasional time where, you, you know, where, where a piece of business may come to you in a different format, a different way, right? The ones sure. where my past client says to their neighbor, you're selling your house, you have to call the My Tampa agent team. That's less of a, of a, it's still an interview, but it's less of an interview because I've already come recommended. I can find out from my past client. I can find out from them in a conversation, you know, what their timeframe is and what they want to do. I'm going to have a little bit more information and I'm coming recommended, right? Part of my value right, proposition right. has already been made right? So yes, then you've got to find out what's motivating them to sell and where they have to go and what's, you know, what's putting them in the position where they have to sell. What do they need to get to go where they have to go? Maybe they don't need to get anything. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can ask, right? When I say get how much money yeah. do you need to get? Right. And so then it's my, regardless of the way the deal came to me, the way that opportunity came to me, um, it's my job to be as knowledgeable about the areas I can be to be able to ask the right questions. If someone needs to get $50 for their house so they can go and do the next thing. And their house is only worth $35. I have to be able to tell them that in a way that doesn't kill them. Right. So, yeah. So depending on how it comes, right. If it's a cold call, Hey, I saw your postcard or I get your remarketing campaign or I get your email and, uh, you know, Please come and you know, tell me about the value of my home. I'm going to try to ask. We have a, a whole list of questions that we try to get answers to, not just by going down a list, but sure. having a conversation, being conversational about what's. You know, how did you find out where I am? How did you find me? Uh, where are you moving to? Uh, do you have a time frame in mind? You know, I'd like to know if they have a mortgage on their home and how much the mortgage is, because ultimately, they have costs. And their costs are three of them are here in Florida are going to be a percentage of what they get of the sale price. Yep. And then the biggest cost that they have mm-hmm. is how much they have to pay off in their mortgage, right? So providing them some sort of an yep. estimated net sheet that takes all that into consideration is going to give them more value, right? Uh, so yeah. it, it's it's about, a st- it always, Darren, it's about establishing value. It's, it's about showing up needed before they know they need me. And that's how I look at it. That's how I've always looked at it. Right. I want to show up needed before they know they need me. If, if I get a phone call and they're in my database, right. I am aware of some of the things that they have seen. They might've seen a couple of remarketing ads, right. Which is going to tip me off to some of the things that they may or may not need to do. Right. So I want to be as knowledgeable as I can. Uh, and you know my little pet peeve and I have nothing against part-time realtors, but I just don't understand why anyone would trust the, the largest sum of money that they will spend the week they buy or sell, the month they buy or sell. And for some people, the year they buy or sell and for other people, the most money they will spend in their lifetime with someone who does it part-time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of part-time surgeons, you know, there's, no? there's not, there's not a lot of, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of part-time uh, y- you know.
1: Dude. So yeah, dude, so what him? I'm
0: hearing. Um, you...
1: Go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, you just, you, you just gave me the light bulb just went off. The, you are executing versus Convincing and somebody that gets stuck in trying to convince somebody you you you're 90 you they're 90% of the way there, especially when they come from a referral, like you said. They've seen marketing. Now let's let the convincing okay. I mean, they're gonna still get convinced in your execution, but your execution is more focused on how can I help you? What is your situation? Let's dig. What do we need to do? How do we do this situation? Oh, I've done that before. We need to get this guy, this loan off, lawyer, whatever, whatever it is. And all of a sudden that starts to kick in because, because you're not stuck on, on convincing. And I know the sale is, is big. It's huge. That, that's, why, that's why this like, it's just amazing how we do have to educate and, and, and really through helping kind of exposes what else is going on out there. and from the from the part-time world that's just um, it is what it is. I mean the, the, pro, the, the problem I see with it, even even if somebody can execute really well um, consumers what their demand is for attention and response, then you bring that into the picture. So so the lack of communication that must be going on with, with a part-timer, um, that's rough, <laughs> you know, even if they are good and they know contracts and you know, negotiating there's a lot and of and really good part-time um,
1: agents. There's a lot of them, right? There
0: must be. Yeah. There must be, or else yep. they
1: wouldn't be around, but, but you know, the, the, as you know, our buddy, Jimmy Mackin said, you know, you got to start acting like you got the job before they got it. Right. You have to set up your yep. value proposition to the people who are calling you before they call you. Right. Anyone who calls me cold is calling me because they found my number and my name somewhere. Right. So right. I want to be that person who can walk them through the process that is in it, it can be stressful, it can be aggravating, it can be challenging, it's fraught with things that most people who don't do this for a living don't know. Right? And we have my little right. team of people we have experience of multiple deals that we can bring to the table that will make it less stressful make it less challenging and hopefully make it fun and that's that's how i approach it and you know it, and it works most of the time right it works most of the time i'm the first person to admit that I can't be everybody's realtor I can't oh be. I love that though I can't be I love I, that there are people who no. need to have a different realtor there are people who have different expectations for their realtor that's a great question to talk to anybody about anything regardless of what you're selling right if I'm interviewing for a job absolutely what are your expectations what do you what's what what does it look like to you? What does selling your house look like to you? Right. Yep. And do do our do our are our, 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 my process, my systems, you know, our marketing program, do they line up? Right. So those are those are things that. that yeah,
0: I mean, I think. Uh, I think for you, for I mean, and I'm just going to be here as an innocent, you know, from the outside, I think for you, it's people. I think your systems are solid. Your experience is there. Like, like what I'm hearing is, is uh, let's do a parallel to golf. Like I've seen that shot, you know? Oh, I've seen this one. You know, like, you know, you know how, when you walk up to something, Oh, a little bit uphill, a little bit slanted, a little bit sucker pin. I've seen this. I got this. And that, that becomes experience in real estate. I, I, I I love that. And I think, I think for you, it's, it's just like, good people. You, you, you just, you're, you're not going to go through or put your team through somebody that's poison or, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be so harsh, but just whatever, it just doesn't match up, you know, just the buyer, the seller, the investor, whoever it is, just doesn't match up with, with your culture, your personality, whatever. I think the systems are the systems and, and, you know, they facilitate, you know, good communication and streamlining process. And of course, um, and there's a lot of them out there, as you know, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you can, but it's the people that I see. I, I see, I see the same thing with golfing. Like, I'm not going to spend four hours with this guy. If he, if, if, <laughs> uh, I mean, every once in a while, you'll, 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 you'll stomach it out a little bit every once in a while. But for the most part, you know, you're not going to put yourself in a, in a, you're not going to let him into your group. Let's put it that way. So like that's an amazing parallel for the kind of clients that you t- that you take on, you know, like, oh, okay, well we learned and now that you have all this experience, you're not going to get yourself into that situation. I feel with 25 years of, of of people experience, I'll be able to have that sort of radar as well. Um, but you know, I, I being in sales, you know, almost, I felt like I was a teenager. I do have that next level of, I have it less and less in me. I'll be honest now that I'm 47, but when I was in my late twenties, early, early thirties, I used to I used to come across assholes and, and used to say to myself, Oh, okay, so this is the test, huh? It's this guy, it's this guy that I gotta break. So I, I and then eventually sometimes it would just be like, No, D, you can't break that guy. <laughs> nice try, you know. But but it is it is sometimes a challenge. I look at it as a challenge sometimes when you run into these people that um, you can just tell they they wake up on the wrong side of the bed a lot, and and it's just kind of like now they're in your world, and and you want to you want to try to make things a little bit better for them. But in the real estate side, uh, you, you know, I think yeah, you gotta be you gotta be pretty dang careful because because the next good one was right there, and because you said yes to this one, you should have said no the one you. Really should be working with or saying yes to was was right there, you know. So I could see that.
1: You know, it, it, again, it's, good stuff, it's, buddy. It's like almost anything else in sales, right? And it takes experience, it takes knowledge. You know, getting back to your original question, being able to be knowing the end product and working backwards. Being able to ask the right questions, right, is a way. When someone asks me the right questions, I'm more comfortable. One, because they're asking something that's, that they're showing interest in me. They're asking me something that makes sense to me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm giving them information with the idea that they can help me, right? And it's the same thing. And yep. you know uh, it, it's a similar thing. So, and it's not just getting listings; it's building a a value proposition for buyers as well. All right, I I can't take on a buyer yep. uh, from you know uh, Dubuque, Idaho, or if that even is a place in Idaho. Right, I can't I can't take. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got to find an agent in Idaho that can help right. with this client. Right. So, asking the right questions, getting the right information. And I exaggerate to make the point, but I know you get it, right? It's about being. I get
0: it. I get it.
1: Establishing a value proposition that makes sense to people who I don't know before they even know that they need me.
0: Yep. Yep. It's all, yeah, it's so, it's, it, it, it's it, that's it, help people, yeah. and, ha- and, and just do it, you, I mean, and if you know your craft, yes, you have to ask some questions, but there's things you can do without even asking, there's, yes. there's, there's the, like, you, you know what the heck is going on, just do it, and, and, and get them to say thank you, you know, or, or not, but, but just do it, I love it, I love, I love that, it's just like such an a motto and to start to live by it is about the action. That's pretty cool because there's a lot that I can think of that I can just start doing for people. It's a lot mm-hmm. of it's a, when you put it that way, you know, the things that I'm thinking of you know, come to mind pretty it's like a, in a pretty easy flow when you think of it that way, you know, what do they need help with? Oh, I'll just start doing it. I don't even need to have the, the can I or the conversation or the build up or I, make it seem like I'm doing you a favor. No, none of that crap. Just start doing it. I love it. Yeah. That's huge, man. Yeah. I wanted to a little bit on, um, before we close it up, some powerful talk there. I wanted to give a little shout out to. Uh, did you see that Annika Sorenstam made the cut on the LPGA?
1: I did see that. Yep. I do you do, per, Will you will, have years. you ever
0: sat there and? Yeah, you're on it. You you know, but have have you sat there and watched ladies golf? How how are you with
1: with? I love like do I love you? Watching I the can, LPGA love it love it i, should, awesome. I sometimes Me i like too. watching that Me more too. than the more than the the, the men uh cuz they play smarter they don't try well, to blow every golf course they're, better looking. Right? they're way better looking and they're they're great athletes they putt lights out they're all such good they putters are. i mean all pros are good putters but but you know they play more a game that i can relate to yes. right uh and i don't i don't yes. mean that to be pejorative or I, it's just no, you know, they, I love watching I the women play. Love it. Love it.
0: Yeah. They're all, they're all about fairways and greens.
1: Yeah.
0: They're all about consistency. They um yeah, they, they are the game to emulate. One of the things I recognize about their, their coaches must be so on point. They don't really, I mean, they do get upset here and there, but their attitude is so good the LPGA tour across the board and there's some good personality in there I mean you see Christine Kim get fired up I mean of course you can go back and watch Morgan Pressel and um, you know there's there's some fiery LPGA tour players of course Um, uh, but uh, Paula Kramer comes to mind she's actually from the Bay Area from Pleasanton um, but that's just passion. You know, when you, I mean, it goes back to, you know, Tiger and I mean, it's all, it's all passion. The, the, the only reason they get pissed is because they, they care, but I love the, the LPGA Anthony. I, I, I mean, I, you know, the Corda sisters, there's a great storyline across the board right now. Um, a lot of kind of like country competition because there has been so much Korean influence into the tour and i watch a ton of uh of golf in general but yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to ask you ask you if you saw anything on Annika? i thought i thought that was pretty dang cool of her just to be out i mean it's just like really you're out here and um just awesome
1: and even she wore red and black on sunday
0: man What an awesome tribute. I almost felt like putting on red and black. That was something you never see that. It was super cool. Of course, what we're I think, you know, if you guys heard earlier, it's the tribute to Tiger, basically, Um, not just like six or seven people. It was 20 plus 30 plus players all over wearing red and black in in just in honor of what Tiger has given to the game. Um, and that's its own, that's its own episode. I mean, you, you could, it's fun. It's fun to hear people, you know, like Brandel Chambly and he tries to go on his rants and I like Brandel. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a steward of the game. Of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, his knowledge is so deep. I can just sit there and when he starts talking about the 19, you know, 43, this and that, and I'm just like, man, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of look up to him in a sense, in in terms of being a golf historian. And there's so much to learn. <clears throat> I love that. You know, there's so many books, there's so much history. There's, there's the RNA, and then there's, you know, what what we have, and so many different tours. And I have it here in my notes, by the way. Next week, I want to talk about the cut line, and I want to talk just talk about how just intense it is. And um, I think yeah. I alluded to that last week, but it's its own. It's its own conversation, but I love today. Today went by so quick um, and really didn't have much organized. And that just kind of tells me we got a good thing going on here. We don't really need to have it too organized and just get on here and chat it up.
1: No, I'm I'm glad we're doing this, my friend. And uh, let's just keep on doing it. We'll get better every week.
0: Good. Well, Monday's Monday's the day. I like it.
1: Yes, it is. You have a good week this week and uh, play a little golf, get yourself ready to sell a little real estate and uh, keep getting up, showing up, doing the work.
0: Will do, buddy. Have a good week.